I bet he has me now. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 64. Again, uh, happy Mother's Day. So appreciate you being here. Uh, just to, uh, to give you a little bit of a, a, a thought on this. Uh, and I, I so appreciate Bob reading the Proverbs scripture, the chapter 31, 30, 30 and 31 the, uh, are, are two beautiful verses uh, about a woman who fears the Lord. Uh, let me just tell you, men, if you don't have a, don't have a spouse, that's a good, good place to start. Start looking for a woman who fears the Lord. That's a really good place to start. And I would, I would like to just uh, be able to, to preach to you this morning a, a really feel-good message. But uh, because of, of where the Lord has painted the picture and where they have put America, uh, women in America in a box uh, that uh, is unrealistically and unbiblical, uh, we, we cannot miss an opportunity to speak about God's design. Are you ladies with me? God's design for womanhood. Did you hear me? God has a design. And listen, when God has a design for His creation and we don't try to walk it out the best we can, we will never be content. Let me say that again. Unless we're attempting to do it God's way, we will never find contentment. As male or female, listen young people, our children will never find contentment outside of trying to do it the best we know how. And aren't we glad we don't have to do it to perfection? And all of us that's raised our kids and now has got grandkids, aren't we glad that God's over, able to overcome our imperfections? He is able to do that. But listen to me carefully. There's no real contentment. There's money won't buy it, fame won't buy it, power won't buy it. There's no real contentment outside the will of God. So, I want to be... Uh, very calm, and uh, I want to stay on focus this morning because uh, this uh, manhood and womanhood and the world's attack on God's design is, is pretty, uh, pretty high up in my uh, priorities. But I want to, I want to be calm. I want, to be, I, want to be, I want you to get this rather than, than hearing, hearing my passion. I want you to get the words, and I, I want you to grasp Listen to me carefully. If you're a man, God has a design for you. And I'll just tell you this week, I figured out that Mother's Day and Father's Day are secular holidays. You know how I know that? Because if it hadn't have been a secular holiday, they'd have put Father's Day first. Right? And so every year we get to this point, and, 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 and I speak a pretty stern message to the women and y'all only have one responsibility. After this morning, just get them in here. Okay? I promise you their turn's coming. But right, the, right now this morning, 
you're, you're going to hear uh, what I believe is biblical truth, and it's not easy teaching. But you know what? Doing it God's way sometimes not easy. But when He gives us a way to do it, He'll give us the grace to do it, whether it's easy or not. Amen? So today and over the next few weeks as we culminate with Father's Day, I want to talk about what is God's design for the, the, for the family. And to, today in particular, I want to talk about what God's design is for the woman. What does that design look for, like for mothers and for dads and, and yes, even for the children? Because all of that happening in the home, even for, your, for, for you young people, it's teaching you what that design will look like when you become a mom or a dad. It's all there. So how do we get to where God wants us to be as a man and as a woman or a, a godly young person? Well, first of all, we, we, we must become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be born again. We must have, we have, must have received a new nature which will mean we have a design or we have a desire to do things by God's design. So that's the first thing we've got to do is become a follower of Jesus. And I'll just tell you, in the day and time that we're, we're living in, we, and when I say we, the church, the teachers in the church, and particularly the parents have got to do a better job on preaching God's design. Because what the world is telling them is exactly opposite than God's design. And you've got to understand now, when they go to school, when they turn on that phone, they're not hearing God's design. They're hearing indoctrination to a wicked agenda by an evil world. So we've got much work to do. And we must empower individuals. Listen, we must empower individuals to do and to be what God created them to be. That's what we got to do. So, in the New Testament text that I've read, we have several different dynamics going on. Beginning in verse 15. So I want to just review it quickly. In verses 15 through 18, we have three things in relations to others. So, uh, in this wicked world, how do we walk? That's the first thing, just how do we walk this out? Secondly, we are either going to be wise, y'all with me this morning, or unwise. We must follow the leadership of this to be wise and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Now, why are we concerned about this? Listen to this carefully. Do y'all understand this? Because the days are evil. We must be wise. We are not to be foolish. But we are to discern. Did you hear that word? You talk about a lost word. Discernment. It's, it's a word that we need to rediscover. You must discern by the Spirit of God what is good and what is evil. And just because you hear it doesn't mean that it's good. Discernment. We need more of that in leadership in the church. And listen... Moms, you need to be very discerning in the day you're in because the world has an agenda to mold your children to be what they want it to be. 
And you've got to understand that that agenda is out there. The third contrast is do not get drunk on wine. And we can all say amen to that because we know the evils of drinking. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. So those are verses 15 through 18. And in verses 19 through 21, we see three evidences of the Spirit-filled life. One evidence of the Spirit-filled life is they sang hymns and psalms and spiritual songs. Isn't singing good? And, and, and having the desire to sing, and as is obvious for me, whether you can sing good or not, we can enjoy singing. Amen? That's a part of being Spirit-filled. The second thing of a Spirit-filled life is to give thanks in all things. Wow. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes moms are on, uh, on a real plank of being tested to give thanks in all circumstances. Amen? But what's the Scripture say? Give thanks in which circumstances? Part of them? The good ones? No. Give thanks in all circumstances. And the third thing that we're really talking about today is submitting to one another. Submitting to one another. I love Philippians 2.3. It says, uh, uh, but consider others more important than yourself. That's submission. Con con considering others and their desires and their needs above our own. That's a good one. Okay, so beginning in verse 21, we see a detailed discussion. Are y'all ready for this? Two words that you don't hear much anymore. We have a detailed discussion of authority and submission. Oh, two words. Authority and submission are two words that people don't want to hear today. But we're called to having an authority that begins with God and to be in submission to the authority. Are y'all ready for this? To be in submission to the authority that God has put in your life or in my life. And it really starts out the, the correct way. Submitting to one another because of reverence for Christ. Why, why do we do it? In reverence to Christ who has humbled himself to do for us on the cross what we couldn't do. So, in verses 5 and 521 through 64, we're given three circumstances in which submission is worked out. You with me? Three specific circumstances. First of all, wives to husbands. And then when we get to Father's Day, the, the, the husband's role in that. And then submission of children, listen to me, submission of children to their parents. Amen? And then the last one is submission of the employee to the employer. That'd be a, probably a new concept today in the uh, world out there, the employment world. Those are three things. Wives to husband, children to parents, and employees to the employer. Those are three things. We're not going to look at that employee to the employer over the few weeks, next few weeks, but we'll look at the rest of them. So this is a, 
this is difficult, and it's, it's really to, to submit to any authority. To say submission to authority can be construed and will be construed in all kinds of ways today. But I want to tell you, just, just if we stopped at this place in which we taught our young people to submit to authority, now you know what that's going to lead to? Them submitting to God's authority. If we could just teach our young people. Listen, parents, if you're not teaching your your child to be obedient to you, you're not teaching them to be submissive to authority. That's where they learn it. Don't expect them to be uh, obe- uh, submissive to uh, a policeman or a teacher if you haven't taught them to be submissive to you. A woman shows herself, listen carefully, this is where I want to be calm. A woman shows herself to be spirit-filled in her willingness to be submissive to her husband. A child's response to the authority of their parents is evidence of God's grace and their degree of being filled with the Spirit. Listen, young people, obedience to your parents is a spiritual thing. And when you are not obedient to your parents, you are not pleasing to God. We'll begin to look at these relationships. People to God, husbands to wives, and wives to husbands, and children to parents, and and, and we'll end up with, with, you remember the end of chapter 6, verse 4, you remember that? Fathers, do not exasperate your children. We'll, we'll kind of end it up looking at that. Teaching that all are to be submissive to God. All. Wives are to be submissive to their husbands. Children are to be submissive to their parents. And employees to their employer. Now listen to me. This is not arbitrary. This is a biblical mandate. It's not my words. These are the words of God. People to God. Wives to husbands. Children to parents. And employees to employers is a mandate from God's Scripture. When we do it that way, We'll be blessed. When we don't do it that way, we'll have some difficulties. I'm deeply troubled that God's design has been distorted, and I am convinced unless it is reestablished, we will continue down this road to reprobation and God's judgment. We must return to God's design and God's order. So, what are the roles of individuals, male and female? You know where you find that? Right here. Right here is where you find it. You you know, so (laughs) yesterday morning I had breakfast with a guy, and when I got through having breakfast with him, somebody else I drove up, 
He has a daughter that has a master's in child psychology. So he was telling me some of uh, the friendly parenting, the uh, friendly parenting, that, what's that other parenting term? Anyway, he, w- he was telling me some things that not proper to do anymore. And I can tell you this 50-year-old guy plus some years, I promise you he has learned more from raising two boys and a girl, two boys and two girls, and forgot more than that daughter that has a master's degree in child psychology will ever know. And I'll just tell you, I'm just tell you where child psychology all goes wrong. I'm telling you what the scripture says. Spare the rod, spoil the child. He had to tell me about, and if, if you're not grandparents yet, you don't know what I'm talking about, okay? He had to tell me about uh, this episode that he had with his daughter and this two-year-old toddler. And this two-year-old toddler in front of him and his mama throwed a fit, a sling in the arms, falling down in the floor, fit. Well, you know how mama was doing. Oh, baby, what's wrong? You know, what's going on? So she went in the house and came back out, and the child was kind of settled down, and he said, I want to tell you, you missed a good opportunity to give that boy exactly what he needed. And that was a swift Spanking. Says two weeks before he heard from her again. Listen, mamas, I got two daughters that are mamas. The world is trying to get you to raise an undisciplined child. You've got to push back against your nature. You've got to push back against your feelings. Especially if you're a single mom. You've got to resist protecting that boy. Send him to church camp. Send him off with grandpa. Listen, I know what I'm talking about. By the grace of God, I've been studying this for 30 years. I've got nine grandkids. I've got five grandsons. One of them's 20 years old. Quit babying your boys. When they get out of diapers, you need to quit calling them baby or some cute name. Call them their name. Okay, y'all praying for me? I said I was going to be calm, right? Live by God's design for your well-being, the well-being of your family, the well-being of your children, the well-being of your home, the well-being of your church. Listen, and you do that for God's glory. And listen, when you do it in this day and world, everybody's going to see it. I mean, you're going to be, you may be in the newspaper. You may be in court. You will shine as a bright light. So what are the roles in marriage? What are the roles in the family? What are the roles in the church? What are those roles designed to facilitate? 
Godly offspring, godly marriages, godly men, godly women that bring God the honor and glory when people see their lives. It's all for God's glory. Let me ask you, let me just ask you a question, mothers. Are we, are you producing godly offspring? That should be our first goal. Not a doctor, not a lawyer, not a dentist, not a veterinarian, not a school teacher. Are you out with your children to produce godly offspring? Now, y'all listen to me. I don't want to whip you that didn't do it right. I don't want to make you feel bad. Let me tell you, when you, when you find out you've done wrong, there's one thing to do. Repent. Tell your kids you did wrong. Tell your kids you wished you'd have done it different and tell them that you're going to do everything you can do to help them do it better. And listen to me, you young people. Your mama and daddy have got more sense than you do. I don't care how much education you got. Now, why are we producing godly offspring? And is that our main purpose and focus with our children? Now, let me tell you, that must happen for their eternity's sake. It must happen. For the sake of the family, that must happen. For the sake of their marriages in the future, that must happen. For the sake of the church... Your children that you're raising are going to be the adults and the leaders in the church one day. For the sake of the church. And, oh Lord, help us. For the sake of this depraved society, we need to be raising godly offspring. Let me just just tell you this. There will always be a remnant. There always has been, there always will be. But listen to me. Christianity is close to being on the endangered species. Because parents have abdicated their responsibility to raise godly offspring to somebody that doesn't have the authority to do that, nor God's blessing to do that, and are... That's not their focus. Listen, you've got to keep this in mind. That kid that you're raising is going to spend eternity either in heaven or hell. And you are responsible in this life to get them the best you can ready for eternity. It's got to happen. We've got to raise godly offspring, listen, because it's mandated by God. I didn't dream this up. God gave mama and daddy the mandate to raise their children to know the Lord. Now look, we would expect the world to ignore that, right? The world, they don't know it, they're ignoring it. We should expect that. But we should not expect that Christian parents do not understand and know that the responsibility to raise their kids to know the Lord does not fall on the church, nor the Sunday school teachers. It falls upon the parents. 
So we're going to look at some text, and I'm not going to spend much time in them, because we, you, we have expounded these texts over and over. And we're going to pray that through this Mother's Day message and the Father's Day message and a message to our young people that God might call us to repentance and a change of course. Listen, in America, we need a change of course on how we're raising our kids. Lord, help us. Genesis 1, 26 through 27. I'll have to read a little slower and maybe a comment or two so Pablo can catch up. You've got them all right there in front of you. You don't have to turn in your Bibles, but I want you to look at the Scripture. I've got it it in your, your notes. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion. That's that's ownership of, that's responsibility for the rest of his creation. The fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. He created us after he had created everything else. And he gave us a great responsibility to manage his creation. You can't do that outside of good knowledge of God's scripture. And that's the problem in America, amen? That's the problem in the church. Only a very small percentage of the church has read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We would do a terrible job putting together a a model airplane with thousands of parts without kind of paying attention to the instruction, would we not? Genesis 1.28. Mamas, again, I want you to hear this. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Uh, Forget mamas right now. Daddy and mama. He said, Be fruitful and multiply. I'm telling you, this 1.62 kids in Christian families per family ain't enough. I mean, just go out, just just drive your neighborhood and look and see that 1.62 Christians are not even keeping up. Hey, listen, guys, you know what I'm telling you? Have more kids. You'll figure out a way to raise them. We need to have more kids. I bet y'all didn't expect to hear that. Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord said, It's not good that man should be alone. So, men, you ought to be looking to get married. Amen? Look for the right woman. But look what it says. I'll make him a helper fit for him. You know what he made Eve to be to Adam? A helper. Every good man, if he's going to be a good man, is going to have a good helper. And he made you women to help that man be the spiritual leader in the home, in the church, and society that God created him to be. And some of us, I won't call everybody by name, some of us surely need a better helper than we are man. Amen? Genesis 2.24 Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It, young people, it is, it is not normal. For young people to become adults and not get married. We learned at church camp last year, there were 14 young ladies there from our church. Twelve of them had no desire to get married. That is a terrible picture. And not only that, it's a terrible picture. Do you know how that shrinks the feel? 
For guys? Listen, most young women, God has gifted to grow up, become a wife, and to have children. One of His purposes, right? Verse 24, Therefore a man will leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Marriage, that's in God's plan. We'll look at that a little closer as we go on. Genesis 18, 19, men, are you listening? For I have chosen him, that he may command his children, who? He, make Adam, Abraham, may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he's promised him. Men, we are mandated by God to lead our families spiritually. Any of you men got any amens in you? Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, you know it. How many times have I preached from it? How, how many of you know it verse by verse? Hear, O Israel, or word for word. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Listen to this now. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Men, mothers, look, look, look. Here's where this Bible's got to be. It's got to be on your heart. Listen, when it's on your heart, your kids are going to know that you are impressing upon them from the Word of God because that Word of God is literally in your heart. Teach them diligently. Teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Parents, do you know what that means? From the time you get up to the time they go to bed, Every opportunity you give them, you teach them the, the way of God. And any time you can bring Scripture into the context, you surely do that. Listen to this. When do you do it? When you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. Okay, now get this now. Raising your kids is a 24-hour-a-day job. Now listen to me. And then they get to the age that hopefully this stops happening too. For eight hours of the day, you're sending them off to somebody. And so now, that cuts your time down to 16 hours instead of 24. So it's, if it's a 24-hour-a-day job, and so we've only got them for 16, that means... We've got to be real intentional about what we do. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. You know, and, and we'll look more at this, but, you know, uh, most of us grew up, uh, here, here's, the reason, here's the reason that when we grew up, we weren't to have premarital sex. We might get some young lady pregnant, and she might have a kid. Okay, Now, that's better not telling them nothing, right? That's better not telling them nothing. But what would have been better if I had been told why they're telling me that? Right here. Tell them why premarital sex is wrong. Tell them why sex outside the marriage is wrong. Show them in the Scripture. 
Because God then, then can take the, spirit, the, the, the Scripture and by His Spirit write it on their hearts. Amen? Use God's Word. And here's the whole purpose, Malachi 2.15. Did He not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? Did you hear that? The Spirit is in this union. And we'll look at 1 Corinthians 7.39. This is why it's so important that you marry a believer. You, you marry a follower of Jesus. That they're, they're, Then there's two of you, right? Now let me tell you a pretty picture to God. Y'all look at me, young people. Y'all look at me, moms and dads. What's a pretty picture to God is when a man and a woman are teamed up to... By, to, teamed up together to raise godly offspring. You don't think that doesn't bring joy to God's heart? Did He not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit. Let none of you be faithless to the wife of youth. Listen, keep your wife. Stay together so both of you can raise the kids. In 1 Corinthians 7, 39, this is a kind of an explanation of why it's so important to marry in the Lord. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she's free to be married to whom she wishes. Only in the Lord. What, what is the importance of marrying another believer, another follower of Jesus, that you can cooperate in producing and raising godly offspring? I want to tell you, it's hard enough for two people to do it. Somebody, somebody go around to these moms that have raised kids by themselves. And they'll tell you, it was tough. It would have been great if they'd had a godly man helping them. Amen? Okay, so I, I pray that y'all came to breakfast because in that breakfast and in the presentation, you mothers were honored. And I want to honor you this morning. I, I want to thank you for being mothers. But I also want to empower moms and mothers and women to do, the, to do the one thing that will bring them contentment. The one thing that will bring them contentment. Doing womanhood and doing marriage and doing, and doing child rearing the way God designed it to be, do, to be done. That's the only thing that will give you contentment. There's no contentment in life without doing it God's way. And that goes true for the saved and the lost, even though the lost don't know it and don't understand that. And when we get... Now, you women, women want to come back because I want, to, I want to show you where men's been looking for contentment. I want you to just think about marriages, even Christian marriages. Why do, why do people get dissatisfied with each other, get dissatisfied with their marriages? Because they've been trying to find their contentment in that marriage, in the things of the world, rather than in doing marriage and family like God designed it. Listen to me. You can put all the salve you want to. You can go to all the counseling sessions that you want to go to. But there's only one way to do marriage. There's only one way to do raising family, and it's by God's design. It's a, listen to me. It, it is, there's no other way. It is the only way that it'll work. I'm just saying. 
If you want contentment in your life, in your marriage, in child raising, you've got to do it God's way. Now listen, I look out here and every now and then I'll see if somebody's face, look. Don't beat yourself up if you didn't do it right. What Miss Granny say? If I'd have known better, I'd what? Okay, now that, you've no, now that you're knowing better, you're going to do better and you're going to teach better. Amen? Okay, three things. In your life, in, in your life, ladies, doing marriage God's way. Submit to the leadership of your husband. Ephesians 5.22 Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. First of all, ladies, you're required to submit to God. Secondly, you're required to submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. I want to just say now, when I read the scripture, these are the words of Paul. These are the words from God's, God's word, not just from me. I fully embrace them. I fully believe them. Listen, ladies, let me tell you what this means. And, and you that are not married, but you've got daughters that are married, you need to listen to this. To submit to your husband means that you give them honor. You give them respect. And you give them your obedience. To be submissive to the Lord, the woman must be submissive to her husband. For God's glory, putting yourself under your husband's headship. Again, I'm just saying, ladies, if you want commitment, if you want contentment, do it in your marriage God's way. And I'll just tell you. Just, just look around you, and you look for some woman in this church, I don't care if she's 25 or 35 or 45 or 65 or 75, go ask her where she has found her contentment. Verse 23, for the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. God in his providence has made the husband the head. Over her. Above her in authority. Like Christ being the head of the church. That's what the analogy is here. As he himself is its Savior. He is the Savior. You know what that means? He, Christ, is the Savior. Your husband is in the same manner of maintaining, protecting, and defending the wife. She is like Christ in their life. I'm just saying, if you want contentment, you have to do it God's way. Verse 24, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. As the church submits to Christ. Listen carefully. These words. These words, ladies, I'm telling you, go a long ways in, in your husband looking forward to coming home every day. Are you with me? Cheerfully, humbly, 
and obediently. In the same ways, same way wives should submit to their husband. Again, I'm just saying, if you want contentment in your marriage, you're going to have to do it God's way. This is hard. I fully understand that this is upside down to what the world is telling you. But let me tell you what the world is after. You ready? The destruction of the marriage. Not the well-being. The destruction of the family. Not its well-being. Listen carefully. This is what the world is after. The destruction of the church. Not its well-being. The destruction of society. Not its well-being. So let me just tell you. When it comes to doing godly things, and in particular their marriage, forget what the world's telling you. It is hard, and it is upside down from what the world's telling you. But I will tell you this, unashamedly, this is God's Word. This is God's Word. Secondly, being the keeper of the house. 1 Timothy 5, 14 and 15. So I would have younger widows to marry, bear children. I, I want to say again. Bear children, that means have many children and raise those kids to know the Lord. Manage their households. I, I want to tell you, if, I don't know if it's, I think it's this way for nine out of ten men. Let me, let me tell you what makes a man happy. To come home and after a, a wife has been wrestling kids all day long, that there's some kind of order in the house. Some kind of order. It may be a wreck. But she says, it's been a tough day, but everything's going to be okay. Manage their households. Listen, why do you do that? Give the adversary no occasion for slander. So some have already strayed after Satan. I'm just telling you. If you want to be blessed, ladies, if you want some contentment, be a good keeper of the house. Now listen, bring the husbands back, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him realistically, you can't help. You, you can't, you're not helping with this unless you're positioning themselves to have time to keep the house. Amen? Number three, raising godly offspring. Malachi 2.15, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. If you're not married, listen to me. Before you probably go on the second date... before you get emotionally or any otherwise attached, you need to find out what that other person has in mind for the marriage and the raising of the kids. Hey, look. They say I'm a Christian. Okay. I mean, 
Don't put all your, don't, don't put everything you're thinking in their basket, right? Just ask them the simple question. What do you think our primary goal should be in raising our children? Before you get too attached. Listen carefully. Ladies. This is not romantic. Listen carefully. Not everybody else, matter of fact, few are trying to do it the right way. It is not the way to hoard money, if that's what you're interested in. Because it may mean that you are living on one income. But this is a life, listen carefully. I want you to hear these words. I had to think about them all week. But this is a life and death situation. Spiritually. The spiritual well-being of our, your children, are definitely at stake. Secondly, it's a life and death situation for the visible church. The church will only survive as we see it. I'm not talking about the remnant. If Christians evangelize and raise up their children to know the Lord, and it will only happen if we reproduce godly offspring. Don't expect the world... Y'all looking at me? Don't expect the world to provide this church with leadership in the future. That's what you're working at. Godly offspring. Listen carefully. This is the life and death situation of a society. Listen closely. Without a sizable number of Christians in this society, it will collapse. It's a life and death situation. We must rethink our priorities for the marriage and for the home. What are we raising our young men and young women to be? And how are we raising them to do what God made them to be? I'm just saying, if we want contentment, we've got to do it God's way. So you want to know why women are struggling in their identity? You want to know why feminism has been so successful? Because women are not doing what God created them to do, and outside of doing what God created them to do, the finest job, the finest career, the finest man, the finest clothes will never bring them contentment. Let me say that again. Women are not doing what God created them to doing to do. And listen, ladies, you got to bring the men back. Because they're not half the problem. They're 98% of the problem. Do you hear me, ladies? I told you this is hard. But I want you to know 
we are in a mess. And until we get God get, got back to God's design, it's not going to get any better. Now, let me, let me just ask you a little funny question, right? I, I, I don't know this other one. Uh, so first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes mama, or what, in the baby carriage? Oh, yeah, y'all know that, right? Okay, all right, now listen to this. Let me ask you, how is falling in love, getting married, and living happily ever after? Y'all tell me, how's that working out? I can unashamedly tell you why. It will not work out trying to do it any other way than by God's design. We must get back to God's purpose, raising godly offspring. Back to God's order in the home. I'm just, I'm just finishing. We must teach God's design at all levels. Teaching mom and dad their roles. Pushing, praying, and prodding. You listening to me, parents? I, I'm prepared for that. Are you prepared for that? Pushing, praying, and prodding for the slow but steady implementation of these roles in our families. In our lives. All the while through answers in Genesis and God's design at church camp and the hymns and through preaching and teaching and through your work at home, we continue to teach our children God's designs. Oh, Mom. Oh, Mom. What we need are moms and dads taking the lead in teaching their children at home. Don't turn that responsibility over to me. Don't, return, don't turn it over to the church or a Bob and Nella or, or Lewis or Laura. And, and listen, for sure don't turn it over to the government. Don't turn over the raising of your kids to anybody. They're your kids. It's your responsibility to raise them. We can't get the order in the home right until the church allows and the parents accept and the parents are taught that the primary role of evangelist teaching and the discipler of the children belong to mom and dad. You are to evangelize your children. You are to disciple your children. You are to discipline your children. God gave them to you. The home must become the training grounds for eternity. While the church equips moms and dads to take this role with the church's support and encouragement. Listen, I promise you, Tom and I, Pablo and I, we promise you, you won't have to do it yourself. Raise the kids up spiritually. Teach them how to find a godly mate. And I want to tell you, you better be praying. Y'all hear me? Because godly mates are hard to find. 
I've got a 25-year-old granddaughter. I've got a 24-year-old granddaughter. I've got a 22-year-old granddaughter. I've got a 20-year-old grandson, a 21-year-old, a 20- or 19-year-old. The pickings are slim. That's why you need to be producing more for my grandkids. Really? Producing more and raising them up to know the Lord. Teach them why we get married. Teach them what a godly marriage looks like. Teach them why we need to have lots of kids. Train them to know the Lord. And then look, you know what we do? Listen to this. We just duplicate it again. Right? We just do it again. Now look, we need to quit doing what we've been doing again. But then when we got it going right, we just got to do it again. Encourage them, do it again. You know why we're not seeing any fall in love, getting married, having a lot of kids and living in happily ever after? Because we haven't taught them to do it God's way. We've just been copying. Come on now. We just been looking around at everybody else, right? Come on now, Joneses. We just look around at the Joneses, and instead of going here, or we allow somebody else to tell us how to do it, we need to do it God's way. I'm just saying, if you want contentment, we got to do it God's way. So listen, let's be about doing and teaching the children how to do it God's way with our teaching, with our lives, and with our marriages Let's have the marriage that God designed us to have, and we'll find the contentment that we're looking for. Amen? Tom's going to come and put a wrap on that, and then we'll do the Lord's Supper.